Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to be back on the mic with you guys for another episode. Should be a fun one, man. I'm going to take a trip down memory lane with this one. Um, got a friend of mine, Sean Weaver. Some some of you may know him through Instagram. I mean, he's, he's kind of a self-proclaimed duck nerd, um, you know, but the cool part about Sean is he was instrumental in the early days of us uh, getting the last stand going. You know, Sean owned the production company. He was, he, you know, came on all the hunts for the first three seasons of the last stand, um, him and Max Barta. Um, so, you know, he just recently took over as the uh, director of marketing at Lucky Duck. So it's exciting to have him back in the mix now, but, uh, man, we're just going to talk about, you know, filming for coyotes, some of the challenges that we faced, you know, kind of some behind the scenes stuff. I know a lot of you probably do follow the last stand video series on YouTube, um, but yeah, we're just going to talk about, you know, some behind the scenes stuff, really what it takes to, to get that type of footage. Um, what all goes into that, some of our most memorable hunts and, and episodes we put together, some of our most memorable stands. So, so should be fun, uh, going back through and, and, uh, remembering all this stuff. Uh, you know, the great thing about videos it's captured, so it's there forever, but it's always fun to go back and, and talk about it. So should be a good one. But before we get in there, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode here. Um, you know, really enjoy your feedback that you guys give me. Um, whether you guys hit me up on my website, which is coyotecraze.com, you guys can send me an email. You can hit me up on my Instagram page, send me a message. Um, but, you know, the feedback and the reviews that you guys give this podcast really are what makes it, you know, the number one predator hunting podcast out there. So I can't thank you guys enough. So, you know, a simple five-star review on Spotify, leaving a review on iTunes, whatever it may be, man, that stuff goes a long way because uh, we can't do this without the sponsors. Um, so, so got to thank them. You know, this particular episode is brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Swagger Bipods. Um, you know, Onyx Hunt, we talk about it all the time. It's, it's an integral part of what I do. Probably any hunting that you do, whether it's coyotes, big game, waterfowl, um, you're probably using Onyx at this point. Maybe you're using competitor. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Onyx has always supported what we do. And uh, it's a big part. You know, every year I, I, enjoy, I do a lot of uh, tracking my routes, especially when I'm hunting new areas. You know, I, I make that a point. Every year I really try to push myself out of my comfort zone and go hunt new areas, learn new stands, find new areas. They don't always turn out great. Um, but every now and then you find a little gem in the rough kind of a deal. And, and uh, you know, I add that to my repertoire of stands that I continually make, you know, because every year, year you lose some places, you gain some places, and that's all part of the deal. But, you know, it's fun for me at the end of a season to kind of pull up my Onyx and look at some of the routes, you know, look at the added waypoints, the added stands I added to my, my map. Um, you know, one of these years I'd really like to, uh, you know, start dropping a certain waypoint every time I kill a coyote drop a waypoint there and then at the end of the season be able to kind of blow that map up and, and show what that looked like that'd be kind of cool maybe I'll try to do that next season um I have to get with the guys at Onyx kind of tell me exactly how um I can do that maybe so it's overlapped on its own I don't know if I can pull up a separate map to to mark those but uh, I'm gonna have to do some digging on that but that'd be kind of cool if I could do that but you know if you guys aren't in the game you know you can get the Onyx app on your phone. That's what I run it on. You can pull it up on your, uh, a lot of guys nowadays are running them on the big screens in their vehicles. Um, you can transfer it over with, you know, Apple CarPlay or whatever they call that. So you can see where you're going. Um, that makes it easy, but, uh, just a great tool. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at, just get to your, your store on your phone and search Onyx hunt 
And, uh, you know, you can get you a pretty cheap membership for the year. You know, I think 30, 35 bucks gets you one state, maybe a hundred bucks gets you every state for the whole year. So really cheap money. Um, if you're looking for a tool that's, that's really going to benefit you. So check out Onyx Hunt. Now, Swagger Bipods. Hey, what can I say, man? I mean, for me, it's all about killing coyotes and how quick can I get on coyotes? You know, how can I tack shots in a, you know, eight inch kill zone consistently? Um, for me, Swagger's where it's at, man. That's what I use. Um, I use the 142. And and if you're looking into this, you may understand well, what's the difference. They sell 129 and 142. Really, that's just the length of the leg. Um, so the 129 is going to have a 29 inch leg when it's fully extended. The 142 is going to give you a 42 inch leg. So if you're like me and you hunt areas that have a lot of terrain, a lot of times you find yourself sitting on like a side hill that's maybe a 45 degree angle. You know, the 29 inch just isn't going to be tall enough. So you're going to want the 42 inch leg to get you tall enough to where you can shoot out instead of just pointing straight down the hill, you know, at your target. So, you know, get that 142. I love running the, the camo version. I don't know. It's just a hunting thing, I guess. Right. Uh, mount that camo up there. Um, and, and a lot of you have questions about how does it mount to my gun? Really simple. If you have a bolt gun, there's a little adapter that comes with every swagger that mounts right under your swivel stud. And then the, the bipod locks up into that. And then it also gives you an additional swivel stud on the bipod. So you can still hook your, 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 uh, your sling onto that. But if you're running an AR, it really depends on what rail you're running. Uh, me, I run a Picatinny rail on my AR. Um, so I just buy the Picatinny rail adapter that Swagger sells and it slips right on there. Uh, the other option, if you're running an M-Lock rail, they they sell an adapter for that as well. So, you know, that's that's one additional piece you need if you are running it off uh, off an AR-15 is to just decide, you know, do I have a Picatinny rail, do I have an M-Lock rail, and then buy that adapter and it'll snug right up onto there and uh, you'll be all set. But uh, like always, hey, I'm going to give you guys a little promo code. Uh, if you're looking to pick up a Swagger, want a little bit of discount, just enter Coyote Craze 25 um, when you go to their website. And uh, that'll save you a little bit of money there. But uh, like I said, if you're in the market for a new bipod, um, also some new things coming out. So stand by, check out their website for those. But you can go to swaggerbipods.com. Well, Mr. Sean Weaver, great to finally have you on the podcast, man. Heck yeah, dude. We, uh, we've needed to do this for a while. You know, I'm excited. Um, you know, you kind of left our presence for a while, but now you're back to grace us with your presence as the marketing director for lucky duck <laughs> yeah yeah did a little hiatus for a little <laughs> bit but came back to home right heck yeah you know and some people might know this or might not you know you were kind of the the originator the 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 behind the scenes guy that kind of got everything going for the last stand back when we started that you know five years ago it was your your production company dreamer weaver creative at the time yeah, that that got us going. You actually, you and Max Barta, you know, filmed the first three seasons of The Last Stand. Um, so yeah, man, I want to talk. And then about the that. year before that, well, the yeah, year before that we did a couple of test runs, and I instantly thought, "What in the hell am I getting myself <laughs> into here?" Yeah, they're like these <laughs> crazy son out, of right? bitches. <laughs> oh dude no so man i want to talk about that i want to talk about uh kind of your new, your new position there at lucky duck and kind mm -hmm. of what what maybe some some things maybe you got in store for everybody coming down the pipeline there on the marketing side um so yeah man a lot, a lot of stuff we're going to talk about yeah for sure so sounds good to me now that you're now that you're back over with lucky duck you know your background is waterfowl guy right 
totally. I mean, yeah, I think I mean, you're what you self-proclaimed duck nerd. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a good way to describe me. Right. Well, I know Rick and I give you a lot of crap about that. You know, all the, <laughs> all that windshield time we spent with you over all them years talking, mm-hmm. talking trash about the duck hunting and, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, and the, and then I didn't do myself any favors for about four years there because you guys would say something about coyotes and I'd always compare it back to duck hunting. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, yeah. a knee jerk. It's an impulse. I can't help it. It's <laughs> Rick and I just be up in the front that. seats, rolling our eyes like, geez, this, mm-hmm. this, this freaking duck, duck guy nerd back here. What's he talking about? Ducks. Uh-huh. Come on. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, that was, I mean, that was how I dude. And even how you and I met is actually a pretty wild story. So uh, that's true yeah right yeah oh yeah i mean it 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 really is kind of one of those weird universe things because i was a hunting guide and then started my production company which obviously had a very waterfowl spin and orientation to it um started filming for outfitters across midwest go to angel wing and scott's bluff start filming there end up meeting uh tim and bill from the grind tim being also you know one of the owners of lucky duck and while there run into this crazy dude my truck breaks down pull into an auto shop and there's this guy with coyotes all over his truck and (laughs) head to toe in camo and that was the first time you and i met and we had no business affiliation and then you know Hell, I think it was only two or three years later after that we end up. Yeah, before you know it, I'm bouncing your head off the roof of my truck, Jason Kyle. Literally. literally. (laughs) You know, actually, I'm a little sick right now, Jeff. And I've got this pain in the right side of my neck that comes around every time I'm sick. And I'm going to go ahead and say it's from Sand Hill. (laughs) Sand Hill certified runs around with you. (laughs) Yeah, it it is a small world, man. Yeah, and yeah it's it's crazy you know and it's 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 just cool to me now that you're back you know obviously you're a big waterfowl guy you know you spent a lot of time you know on on coyote stands with us over over three or four years and now you're in a position now you know running the marketing for for lucky duck that really you get to put put all that on full display yeah totally and and you know i think uh, it's it's important to like know for me anyway that uh it it always starts as you're doing something because it's your passion right but then also um you know and that's why i wanted to work in the waterfowl industry to start with but really i've gotten just as passionate about like how can we make great cool unique content for marketing purposes because we can make the best dang predator calls out there right? Which we do. Yep. But then if nobody knows they exist and nobody gets to see how they work, nobody gets educated on that product. Well, then we've kind of done a disservice in that standpoint. If we, what we do is only make a good product. And I think that was one of the coolest parts of the last stand early on was like (laughs) that first time we ever went out to Colorado with TR before we'd ever even film we didn't even have a name for it It wasn't going to be the last stand right yeah tim pretty much said hey we want you to try filming some predator hunts with these guys um we go out to colorado and 
where do you remember the stand it's that big bowl oh yeah it's yeah gray it was a day. first stand of the morning gray day meaning cloudy no sun and it's yep. early in, first stand of the morning anyway so it's low light and all out there the grass the sage it's all like the same color as a coyote and the same height <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard uh, and yeah here, here's sean has never been on a coyote stand before with the camera <laughs> yeah and it happens about as fast as what you'd expect oh yeah i mean all of four minutes you know all of four minutes and there's a double down and i never even got a coyote in frame <laughs> we're blasting coyotes and i'm looking sean's like uh i don't i didn't even get on any of them <laughs> oh and that was but man the fun of that to me was that all of a sudden uh getting good at filming coyotes and getting good at at capturing the content became like the challenge and the fun right the oh, same yeah. thing that's fun of the challenge of the hunt for you know me waterfowling for you predator hunting that challenge of the hunt is if, if you're if you are passionate about it it's the same for filming and for marketing in my opinion yeah, you know, that's that's the one thing, you know, early on when we started, when we had these ideas of starting this show and, and doing things, you know, through my conversations with Tim, I was like, you know what, this isn't going to be one of those shows where all of a sudden you see a close zoomed in shot of us flipping the safety off, you know, and mm -hmm. and all this recreated stuff. I said, Tim, you know, the, the cool part about predator hunting is it's fast paced. Things happen mm -hmm. fast. You know, I want to capture all this in real time. And and part of that was like, I, I just said, hey, we need two cameras. It's just part mm -hmm. of the deal because I knew that we could not every camera was going to have the same angle. You know, we weren't always going to get on the, the coyote at this at the same time. Um, you know, we hunt with multiple people. And, and I told him we're going to hunt just like we normally would. We're not going to do anything different just because we're filming and having a camera to go with the downwind guy, you know, and get those mm -hmm. angles. Um but then you're right special. as we as we you know as we progressed through the first couple seasons it it was we got to the point where it was like you know let's challenge ourselves uh we're getting probably you know what some would argue to be the best coyote content you know captured out there mm -hmm. at the time and you know how can we up it now what you know so we would sitting on a coyote stand you know there was a lot of thought that always went into where exactly can we place the cameras to get these particular angles you know where are we hoping the coyote comes in from you know now how can we capture you know the coyote and the call and maybe mm -hmm. the hunter and the coyote and the call and you know we were always trying to 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 capture that kind of that million dollar shot totally you know? totally i mean that's what made it fun to me yeah because well and that's where the that's where the marketing and producer side of making content takes over. Right. Yep. And if you just see marketing um, and content creation as a means to an end, you're going to, you're going to kind of fall short. You're not going to make great content, right? The making great content, original, unique, cool ideas, vision has to be something you're passionate about and love to do if you're going to make great content, right? There's not many guys out there running a YouTube like vlog where they post a video a day or five videos a week that aren't passionate about creating content because to have a camera in your hands that much, you, you have to care about it. You have to care about doing something you believe in. And that, 
that was one of the cool things about the last stand like right off the bat for me was oh we get to set the bar for creative we get to oh yeah we get to set the bar for unique cool stuff that nobody's done like that over the shoulder shotgunner at the call yeah in arizona yeah that was probably probably in my opinion one of the best coyote clips we've ever captured honestly yeah it was i mean and and we but we always were trying something like that right we were always trying to push the envelope on the creative for because it was a challenge and it was fun yeah it's you know at this point though i you know i was thinking through through all the the coyote kills in three seasons you you guys probably have the most experienced filming coyotes than probably anybody in the country i would say it's it's i mean it's up there uh we we did some like rough math on it once and it was i i don't remember it it might not have been 200 but it was close i mean it was a lot yeah yeah i think that one season we damn near had 100 kills on camera uh just in you know like five filming trips or six filming trips we did Um, it it might have been 200 i can't remember but you know and and then you learn as you go right just like the actual coyote hunting itself you learn because that first time i ever filmed a coyote it was so atrocious i was like they're gonna fire (laughs) me they're never gonna have me back i couldn't i couldn't get a damn thing on camera and i oh i can specifically remember that trip in colorado there's this big hill up in front of us it's even sunny out right yeah and there's a coyote coming off this hill and you are trying to, and you're getting a little agitated. You're like, it's coming <laughs> you know, right off, right off the top of that hill. It just, you know, and I couldn't pick it up in the viewfinder, which, you know, was a whole nother element of producing the show was, was fine tuning the gear, fine tuning the, the actual production methods because it was real coyote hunting. This wasn't Hollywood, right? We were out there 15 hours a day bouncing yeah. around in the snow and you know getting maybe four hours of sleep at night and you really had to be like optimized for for capturing the the, the kill capturing the coyotes coming in and i mean the cameras we ended up year three with or year four were you know the whole setup was different than what we were doing the very first time i ever went with you just because it was like we got a we got to really fine tune the system to make this content sweet. And it, and it worked, you know, you know, you started off filming a lot of waterfowl stuff. What, what made the the predator stuff so much more of a challenge? Mm, That's a good question. Waterfowl, right. You get to see them on the horizon coming most of the time. So you get to kind of like, you're not always hid right with waterfowl as much. I mean, people who have watched me film, They've seen me get in my little nest with a long lens camera. But ultimately what it, what it really is, is like waterfowl, you kind of have that here they come moment. And you kind of get a chance to like prepare. Um, you know, you might have 60 seconds as those geese come flying across the field to really get get on, get in focus, et cetera. Coyotes, you know, they they might be just standing there in the gray sage, a gray dog and gray sage, and you don't know ever know how long they're standing there for. And so so 
And then you also have to be quiet, right? You're not being quiet on a waterfowl hunt, but you're whispering into the mic to communicate to me where this coyote is. That's really, I mean, it's hard in a field. Well, then in waterfowl too, you, you know where those those geese or ducks are going to finish, right? Like mm-hmm. they're going to be, you, you know, you have the wind, so you can okay, these when they make their last pass, they're going to be right out in front, coming right. pretty much straight into the spread, you know. Yeah, that's a great point. As you found out with coyotes, it's like, holy shit, like they could be hard left, hard right. I mean, yep. (laughs) You just never knew. And that was that downwind guy, right? Which was you a lot of the time with Max. Yeah. And God, I mean, that was important, right? Because how many times was, you know, we would have, if we were just focused on what was going on at the call, we would have never got footage. We would have never had anything to really tell a story on. Yeah, that's that's part of the realism, I think, that of mm-hmm. what I think we've always done a great job of of showing. This is how it is, man. I mean, not every call coyote comes running right up to the call, you know. I mean, you got to have all your bases covered, and that's just part of coyote hunting. But man, when when they did come running right up, I mean that also that was one of the just most fun things about it is the adrenaline dump. I mean, <laughs> I'll never forget we're in Kansas on that hilltop set of Rick's. And I mean, that coyote is no joke. I don't know, five yards off the end of my camera lens, walking towards me, trying to circle to the downwind of the call. (laughs) And it has no clue, no clue. We're there. Perfect shadows, perfect cedars. And when you're, fill in the frame with coyote and you can see every hair blowing in the wind and you can't move your camera. You can't do anything because they're so close. I mean, that is the adrenaline dump of all adrenaline dumps. And I think that that it's fun to shoot them and hunt them that way. It's just as fun. Was that, was that, was that the greatest like coyote footage we ever got that never made the show? Is that the one you're talking about? Or is this a different one? No, this is, this is the one where there's that, uh, yeah, I don't want to say exactly where it is because Rick would kill me, but it's, it's, uh, Oh, is that when we walk up on that knob? It's just uh-huh, real, real uh-huh. thick. Yeah. Yep. That yep, one. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that was sh- one of We've shot down them up in that, that pocket there quite a few times when I've been with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you did just re-break my heart with the coyote <laughs> footage that never saw. Yeah, there's like that's like Rick and I still talk about that one. You know, this coyote just I mean, it was like what maybe the second stand of the morning, so the sun was uh-huh. low, but just great sun sunlight. The golden. coyote was coming. We were in the shadows, the coyote was in the sun. I mean, mm. this thing comes trotting up like what 30 yards. I mean, it's full frame. Um yeah full frame and he's got a gimp right so he's got a little swagger as he's yeah, kind of yeah. walking up just like he'd been in a trap before comes rolling up chest on i mean he's turned a little bit just just pretty as a picture and you know rick's like oh we had one of rick's farmer buddies with us and we decided to let him take the shot and he <laughs> zippers, he's, it. He zippers it right down the belly man and this thing takes off instantly and there's you know 10 foot of intestines flying out of this thing i mean it was just Awful. something you obviously can't you know, put no. out there at, at that point, you know, luckily we got, no, I mean, field, it makes but... you sick in the moment, right? It <laughs> makes you absolutely sick to your stomach in the moment that it gets pooched like that. And, 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So if anybody, I think that was what season two or three, if you, it's in the intro, like you see this coyote come trotting up, but you might be thinking, well, how come I never saw that on any of the hunts? Uh-huh. Well, that, that was why, because yeah. we didn't have much to use after the, the, uh-uh. the belly of the coyote went open and, mm-hmm. and everything came out. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, that was probably the prettiest footage we ever get, yeah, got cool. right there. That was, we got some, man, that Kansas hunting was always tougher as numbers go, but the footage, you know, yeah, it was, there was always good footage. Great stuff. You know, one thing I always talk about with the, with the footage stuff of how important it is, you know, we're, we're dealing with seconds of footage, you know, like, you know, from the time we spot coyotes to the time we kill them, maybe six seconds. If we're lucky, you might have 10 Mm -hmm. seconds of footage, you know, but the difference between a, a badass clip and just a kill shot is really how fast can the camera guy find the coyote and get on it in the frame, totally. right? I mean, if in in five, six seconds is not long. Like if to take five or six seconds getting on a coyote, somebody will say, well, that's, that's pretty quick, actually. Well, by that time, the coyote has ran 200 yards in and stopped, and we're basically getting ready to kill it. So that's what's right. so important to me is is – you know, what, what sets a lot of that footage apart is how fast mm. can the camera get on the coyote? Yeah. You know, takes you know and we even a had a specific clip. method of how we would do that. Right. I mean, we really did get to a, a dialed production method. Um, I don't even know if I really want to share some of those details <laughs> because like, I still don't think anyone else has really figured out some of that fine nature of like, there are things you can do on set that you and I really had a great communication on of combining your expertise with like my kind of producer mentality of, of how to, you know, uh, for example, in the sand hills a lot, right. You would see a coyote come over that distant hill, that first kind of that next hill over. Yep. And then I pretty much have from the time it dips down into the gully till it comes up the closest hill to get on that hill and where that coyote's going to come. And, and so then I hopefully at least get the footage of it cresting the close hill and then coming down into the call. Right. Yep. It's very hard. Right. Like you said, you get five seconds maybe, but we got really dialed on it there for a few years. I mean, we got really good at that. Yeah, a lot of it too is just, you know, using a wireless mic setup. You know, obviously mm-hmm. a good camera guy. He's he's you know, he's worried about the audio. You know, you were you were always a big stickler on the audio and making sure, yep. you know, the wind wasn't hitting the mics and things like that. But on the same token, it was almost like we had two way radios, you know, communicating, even though we were sitting close a lot of times, you know, you had the headphones on, so you're hearing exactly what I was saying into the mic and yep. I could direct you quick if you know, if you guys hadn't seen him yet, I could talk you through it real quick. And and that was a right. You could a, talk the camera through the angle and the point, and, you know, it's coming through. Da, 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 right. Yeah. And you're pretty much talking straight into headphones for me. But even towards the end, though, you guys got pretty good at spotting coyotes. You would uh, you'd beat us. You'd, you guys would even spot some coyotes before we would. You know, especially, I think that was the key too. especially the... Max with his eagle eyes. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what, you know, I think that, that right there alone is, you know, what you're looking for that saves seconds right there when it comes to getting on those coyotes and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. 
What were those lenses? Oh. You know, I always, that's one thing I always liked was, you know, for me, man, there's nothing better than a full frame coyote. You know, yeah. when we started, when you started running those longer lenses, what what were the specs on those lenses? Yep. So kind of our camera set up at the end uh, was we had me running and I ran a big, heavy setup for people to understand as big and heavy as it came and it was a pain in the ass lugging that thing around but it was worth it right i mean i had a groove worn in my right shoulder where i'd throw that <laughs> tripod up over my shoulder yeah. every every stand but, but um the the lens on that was a 100 to 400 canon uh their f 4.5 and then on a C300 Mark III body, which is a Canon cinema body. And then I would put that on a, a Manfrotto 526 head. And that was, uh, or 526 tripod, I think. I can't remember the head off the top of my head. Um, But that was, yeah, I mean, it was a beefy setup, right? It was 40-some pound setup at least. Yeah, but yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of switching out batteries on that had a special cheese plate and viewfinder set up so I could get that, uh, that screen right down in front of my face so that I could always see the coyote real easy in frame and have enough brightness. Cause when you're out there on those, like, especially hunting in the snow with you, it's really hard to see those in such a bright day. Oh, it's yeah. really hard to see those camera yep. viewfinders. Yep. Um, and that was my setup. That was that long lens setup. And then we would always run Max on a more wide angle, and ha and he was filming 4K, so we could always punch it in post. Um, and he was just running a 24 to 70 lens. But so yeah. for for like me that doesn't know what that you know 100 to 400 means, put like like if zoomed all the way in at 400. What like pow like if you had to compare that to like a mm. power of binoculars or power of a scope, what would that be compared to? Yeah, probably? I don't, I don't Any even idea? know. Probably, I would probably say like eight x or ten x or something or like 10X that. Somewhere in yeah, there. yeah, yeah. That's kind of what yep. I was thinking because at a hundred mm -hmm. yards, you know, it, you could fill, you could pretty much fill up the screen with a coyote at a hundred, which is the same. You yep. know, coyote at a hundred yards at eight or ten power, it's gonna, it's gonna fill your scope up pretty good. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. And one you mentioned talking about the viewfinder. To me, that was that is a a big plus, you know. If if you're getting into filming coyotes, you know, having the viewfinder, you know, you always sat with the camera right in front of you, and the viewfinder mm -hmm. was centered in the back of the camera. So wherever the camera, you know, if that makes yep. sense, like wherever the camera was pointed, that's the viewfinder was all in line. Like some yep. of these cameras, the viewfinder is clear off to the side. So, right. and you don't, you're kind of looking in the viewfinder, but the camera's at a different angle. You know what I'm saying? And it's, yep. it seems like it's harder for those guys to get stuff in frame. Totally. And, and you know, that was something that that's how that camera actually, that's how those cameras come from the factory, right? Like that's what they're designed. Those cameras are designed to have the viewfinder off the left side um and be operated from like the left side of the camera and and i i just wasn't gonna i knew i needed the viewfinder at the back of the camera because i would set that tripod over my body yep 
right? And I would have my legs up under the tripod. Tripod's all grassed, so I'm a little more camouflaged. You know, that's another. That's We'll come back to that point. <laughs> um, but I needed that viewfinder at the back of the camera so I could swing that thing, you know, 90 degrees off to the side, 100 degrees, even sometimes behind me, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and still be able to see some coyote in frame just enough to make sure I'm in focus and, and capture in the shot. Um, but man, that, that is the hardest. And, you know, we say this all the time. I've said this all the time. Filming is not hunting, right? At this point, I've produced shows for seven, eight years now. I've hosted a show. Hunting is never filming. Filming is never hunting. Like you can get them close, Right. You can get as close as you want to that being the same thing. And you can do a real good job of getting rid of a lot of the variables. But that variable of cameras being shiny and big, <laughs> <laughs> like you can't get rid of that. You oh, know, no, no, no just... matter what you could do. I mean, yeah, we and, and you talked about this, you know, you camoed up the the legs of your tripod a little bit. It had some fake grass on there and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but you still have this big black shiny camera. Um, yep. You know, and, and one thing that I always tried to do was, you know, at minimum, you know, there was three of us. If I was just hunting by myself and it was you and Max that, but that was very few times. Most of the time mm -hmm. there was, there was four or five. I mean, we had up yeah. to seven guys on stand mm -hmm. before. Um, and you're like, well, holy crap, you know, you got all these hunters, you got these cameras, you know. Yeah, did we get busted? Yeah, every now and then you, coyotes would see, you know, they'd they'd see a little bit of movement because, you know, our, our deal was like, hey, the coyote shows up over left. We got to get the camera on it. You know, we can't just sit right. here and freeze like we normally would when we're hunting. Right. You, we got to move because we're out yep. here trying to get footage. So you had to move. Right. And sometimes versus a hunter would just let that coyote falling down into the dip and get in front of his rifle. Right. Yep. yep. But, but with a camera, that's not your play. You want as much footage as we can get. And that's always just where like, you know, just in general, just of coyote hunting, being able to get that call out away from you and having a remote that's good enough. You know, that's where probably early on filming is where, you know, I always use the remote and got, got the call out away from me, but that's really where I started really understanding wow this is coyotes almost have like tunnel vision almost like they mm -hmm. see maybe in a 30 wide 30 yard wide swath mm -hmm. that they're really focused on and if you get everything outside of that 30 yards like you said you could have seven of us sitting on the side of a hillside like mm -hmm. in eastern colorado in one inch grass <laughs> just sitting <laughs> you know? in front of a yucca yeah and you're like how the hell do these coyotes not see us and yet they run right up to the call because you yep. you got the call out away from away from us you know 60 70 80 yards and nobody was moving a whole lot and yeah the coyotes would bomb right in and you're like wow that, that turned out pretty good i mean there's a lot of times where there was little things that would really save us on a situation like that where you know with the lucky duck revolt like the the decoy spinning on top or flipping even just flipping in the wind even when it's not turned on right or yeah. that call being able to spin and yeah, I mean, having having their attention focused out there, like you saw it a lot of times. I, I remember one time sitting in a big old log pile of logs in Kansas where, I mean, there's nothing in this whole field to hide in, right? <laughs> it's a black dirt yeah, yeah. field, literally. 
and we're just all kind of <laughs> like sitting on logs. <laughs> but because the call was out in front of us, I mean, that coyote came right down in there with us, never even really looked at us. Oh, yeah, I that mean, was the one that come through the winter wheat kind of on those terraces. Uh-huh. Middle uh-huh. of the day, yeah. Yep. 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 And ran up past that electric wire. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, in kind of behind the scenes thing, you know, I, I don't – I think people – maybe they do, maybe they don't. I mean, we've talked about that. Yeah, we're hunting coyotes like we normally do. I mean, it's – it's a grind. I mean, you know, yeah. we're, we're hunting no different. I mean, we're, we're out there at the ass crack of dawn, you know, from sun up to sundown, grinding out 15, 20 stands a day. Um, you know, there is a little bit of slowness to it. And that's something where the, the TV side comes in, you know, after we kill a coyote, if I'm just hunting for a fun day of hunting, you know, boom, you know, I'm throwing yeah. the coyote in the truck and we're hauling ass to the next stand as fast as we can. Yeah. That was something where we had to slow it down and say, Hey, okay, let's talk about this. Let's, let's throw some instruction in here. Um, you know, so that slowed it down a little bit, but really it was still pretty fast paced compared to probably other types of hunting and filming and, and things I'm guessing. Well, definitely compared to just other filming, right? I mean, there's, there's not many things you do where the wake up call is, you know, 4am and, bedtime is 11 or 12 <laughs> after you get cards dumped you know yeah yeah and uh yeah i mean there's there's plenty of photos floating around of me and max sleeping in the back of jeff's pickup <laughs> yeah, you get those little cat naps in in between stands uh-huh. right mm-hmm. especially on those sunny days <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh man i i it's still one of my favorite things I've ever worked on and done was the last stand. And, you know, cause we really got to see such cool proof of concept. You know, we got to see something go from no viewership to hundreds of thousands of views of video um, in, in very short amount of time because, you know, it, and coming back to kind of my like marketing side of me is it it really shows that if you can effectively communicate quality content with a quality product, right? The Lucky Duck Revolt on its own merits can stand there and say, it's a great coyote call. But it doesn't change the fact that a lot of people don't know Lucky Duck makes a coyote call. Nowadays they do. But seven years ago, five years ago, they did not. And, um, you know, there's nothing more I love personally than getting to meld something that's my passion along with good communication. So like, you know, I went and did a waterfowl show for a while and, um, you know, that show was, was my, my passion. What makes my gears turn about waterfowl hunting. Right. And that show saw great success because, ultimately it was it was real authentic communication of something i love and you know coming to lucky duck now i want to continue doing that i want to continue showing like the cool crazy stuff that people love with predator hunting with waterfowl hunting with dogs anything that involves our company you know i think there's cool unique stories out there 
and and not just like i don't mean stories as in just short films i mean just what real hunters see and feel and do um there's like way to make better content for them better marketing materials for them you know i i kind of call out the waterfowl industry pretty regularly that for decades the waterfowl industry got super fixated on just like big piles of green heads right which don't get me wrong i love big piles of green heads <laughs> there's nothing i love more but it's it's not um it's not the norm the waterfowl industry made it seem like the norm and that was kind of a it was effective marketing for a little bit, but then now it's kind of been shown to be, you know, not real, right? And not not what true waterfowling is. And people kind of got to this point of having a disconnect of what real waterfowling is and what the marketing they were getting was, what the content they were getting was. And, you know, to flip that now, like, I think that's why The Last Stand was so successful because you got to see real bona fide coyote hunting full stop <laughs> that's all there was to it yeah big piles no piles yeah you right. got to see everything in between you know raccoons <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's kind of an ongoing joke right now with obviously we, we have a new production company the last couple of years and and you know I, I will back up a little bit too i don't think people understand that you know back when when you were filming you filmed for both the last stand and the grind waterfowl tv show that that lucky duck sponsors as well yep and that's basically continued over um, for this new production company so i always joke when they send uh the camera guys to hunt with us i'm like oh you must not have got first dibs on where you wanted to go because it seems like the, 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 the camera guys normally want to pick going on the duck hunts and the, and the goose hunts. Way easier. I promise you that. Because <laughs> they can go sit in the pit and drink their coffee and have the heater. Mm -hmm. And then they're back at the lodge by lunch napping. And mm -hmm. hey, let's go jump in the truck and film some, some, uh, some stuff some flying scouting. around for the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Get some <laughs> chips and queso at lunch with by a margarita. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not getting your head yeah. bounced off the ceiling with with jeff mm -hmm. you know all day oh, long yeah oh totally <laughs> i'll never forget first time i thought i was really truly gonna die i was going off a sand hill in that tundra <laughs> just pure vertical <laughs> if 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 there's a, if there's a going off a blowout that's bad enough to actually take the smile off your face you know it's a good one you know <laughs> Every now and then you don't see quite what's over that hill, you know, <laughs> you're putting your faith in that there's nothing there sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I said this five years ago and I'll say it again now. There is no better advertisement that needs to be filmed for Toyota Tundra than Sandhill certified bouncing around with you. I mean, I know we should have had we should have had Toyota as a sponsor of the show a long long time ago you know oh yeah I, I might need to start working on that one <laughs> so I, out of all the hunts we filmed over those three or four years what uh in any of that was like probably stand out as your your favorite huh you know we did some tr multiple trips to different places some mm -hmm. of the same places mm -hmm. from from year to year you know I just look I mean, I'm an adventure guy. I'm a type two fun guy. So anything that's like a new place that kind of checks something off of a list for me is really memorable, right? So, I mean, don't get me wrong. We got great footage in the Sand Hills, great footage uh, in the Kansas. 
hunts and and i remember those fondly but um you know anytime we went somewhere new and then had a crazy experience uh, i was all in on so the arizona 16 coyotes in a day is i mean you're giggly right your school <laughs> kid like in the in the schoolyard giggly by the end of the day because you know you just witnessed something you witnessed pretty much history right it oh, was yeah. coyote after coyote at our feet i mean you could do no wrong yeah that that's still still the the wildest day of filming i've ever been in on you know and I, I, if you haven't watched it i mean i think it's season three i believe it, I think it's just titled 16 coyotes in a day. I think. Yeah. Yep, you know, yep. I mean, Dustin Patterson's with us and he's just like stand after stand. He's like cartwheeling coyotes into the call with shotgun. Literally I mean, knocking the call over with falling yeah. dead coyotes. We're, coyotes. Like I just still remember like these coyotes were close enough and you guys were zoomed in. You like really get to see, like the facial features of these coyotes. Like it's, it's really totally, cool. Totally. Like it's almost like these coyotes are running in and they just kind of casually, they would look over at us, you know, but just kind of nonchalantly like, Hey, it's almost like we joke like, Hey guys, what's up, man? Don't, don't bother me. I'm just going <laughs> to totally. eat this rabbit and I'm going to be on my way, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just wham, yeah. wham. <laughs> I mean, they would, they would catch out of their periphery, right? That they, they would catch out of their periphery that there's something there and you see it. I would see it. Right. Cause I mean, I'm making, to me, I'm making eye contact with them. Yeah. Yeah. You find her. Oh my God. He's looking in my eyes. Oh, don't (laughs) run off. (laughs) Right. Those beady yellow eyes. And then, uh, but then they just kept coming. I mean, it was like kamikaze coyotes, man. Yeah. It was something else. And then, you know, and I think there's actually something that I always kind of remember and think about that was there was just a real cool like biological thing going on at that time where, you know, rabbit numbers were like some of the highest ever recorded there. And obviously the coyotes were benefiting from that, right? They were super keyed in on rabbits and there's obviously a lot of coyotes because they had had plenty of food. And holy crap, I mean, just turn Lucky Pecker or Shelter Belt on and or TNT. I mean, it was literally like played three sounds for two and a yeah. half days straight and just. Yeah, that was just one of those times. You just, it's just those, it doesn't happen very often. I talk about it a lot like a, you know, a 10 coyote, one percenter club kind of day, you know, where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you just, you just get that feeling early on in the day that it's just, it just, you're in the right place. It's the right day. You're not having to go deep into the sound library. It's pretty much just rabbit and they're hearing it and they're coming and, and there's plenty yep. of coyotes. So the chance almost every stand you're, you're calling in coyotes and yeah, those days, man, I, I wish everybody at some point in their, in their hunting life gets to experience a, a day or two like that because there is really nothing like it. No, there is nothing like it. And you know, I've even, I, man, I think about that trip a lot. I've even thought about like, we would have killed more if there would have been a steady wind. Right. Yeah, I mean, there was, yeah, early stands, on there was kind of, you know, swirling kind of not a lot of wind, you know, cause we really didn't have that many down by 
you know, 11 a.m. Like, I mean, there was there was a stretch there where we were calling coyotes in on stands and not getting them killed because they were, you know, the wind was all backwards. I, I remember specifically like that weird lava rock spot. Yep, yep. And then that one where they came off that big hill behind us and it sounded like a galloping horse <laughs> behind us. We heard the coyote running up behind yeah, us before yeah. we saw it. I mean, just stuff like that where it was like, I mean, there was a lot of, if we'd had a consistent wind, it could have been even, it's just a crazy day, crazy day. You know, the comments I still get the most about that hunt, that, that particular episode, mm-hmm. is the stand where we killed the double and there's those vehicles driving down the two track, like 200 <laughs> yards to our right, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh-huh. I mean. That that right there, I mean, it was it was like opening weekend of their mule deer season. Down yeah, it looks there. like a militia rolling down the road. Yeah, and we were hearing gunshots. You know, mm-hmm. we, we were seeing hunters walking these draws. Um, yeah, it, it was just weird. Like there was all this traffic, but it was like the coyotes just didn't care. No, didn't care. It was. That's definitely. I mean, it's hard to not say that was my like most memorable funnest trip uh you know another one that was was super fun for me uh and like i just really have some good memories of was uh i actually don't know if i should say where we were on that one never mind we're in a place in new mexico that was like really there's some cool things around the area that are memorable to be around. Right. And, oh, yeah. and, and places that it's kind of like I wanted to check off the list for me and experience those places in life. And I, I remember that. And actually I, to be fair, uh, these coyote trips have led to a couple like new duck hunting spots for me that are dang good duck hunting spots. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, sand, sand hills alone. How many times were we out there uh-huh. and, uh, you know, all the water that's in the sand hills in Nebraska and you kept saying, well, you know, you know, a lot of times we were there late in the winter where everything was froze up, but early yep. on, you know, it's like. And then I went back and filmed an episode of waterfowl hunting there and smoked them. <laughs> smoked them. That's great. Heck yeah. yeah. Same with New Mexico. Uh, I'd never actually seen the water that I went and hunted in New Mexico, but we'd driven past it. Uh, You know, we'd driven past it on a coyote hunt, and I got on Onyx and saw that, you know, there's a sign for this place we were driving by and ended up going back there to try the duck hunting there. And it was was like there's a ton of ducks there. It's really cool. It was a lot of fun. I mean, the cool thing to me about filming is just like that 16 coyotes in a day was, was pretty phenomenal. Was, was it our best day ever? No, you know, but the fact that 50 years from now, man, you know, maybe not mm-hmm. 50, but maybe like 30 years from now, someday I got mm-hmm. some grandkids, you know, mm-hmm. and I might be too old to go coyote hunting. You know, this is still going to be there, you know, on yep. the, the web some somewhere and I can turn that on and, and watch it. And, you know, we all relive this stuff in our memory, um, yeah. you know, and it'll always be in our memories, but 
being able to actually turn it on and watch it forever that oh, to me totally. that's what's to me that's what's the best part about this filming stuff is just yep. at some point down the road i can reminisce and fire this sucker back up and watch some of these hunts and and just kind of yeah. relive them in my mind at that point mm-hmm. this uh this spring or you know this summer before before fall starts and we start filming and rocking and rolling again uh it's like one of my to do's now that i'm doing lucky ducks marketing is to go back through the archives of our five years of filming this show and just pull all you know as much stuff as i can pull right all the fun reels all the fun little videos even just dorky stuff i mean i'm sure there's some i'm sure there's something funny about eating a tailgate sandwich on that <laughs> god forbidden tailgate <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know jeff's tailgate at the in january or february is i mean the cdc would love to investigate that thing <laughs> i spent like 35 dollars at the car wash yesterday trying to <laughs> trying to get the the tailgate or the, just the bed of the truck clean but it's pretty much uh funny story I, every at the end of every coyote season i have i pay a guy to detail my truck and i specifically told him i said dude i said don't worry about the bed of the truck man i'm like you ain't that ain't ever gonna happen right there right uh-huh so he, he must have not heard me so i drop off my truck i get a call from him in the afternoon he's like man he's like i've been working on the bed of this truck for like the last four hours he's like i've been dumping chemicals on there i've been powering. he's like i can't i'm like man i like i've told you you're never don't even worry about he's like what now you tell me and i said no i already told you but i was like you just wasted four hours and i'm like yeah you ain't it's just something about blood and and yeah, it's nah, it's it, not. Well, good. it's layers. It's <laughs> it's a whole season worth of. It's that tailgate, and it is a trophy in its own right. It could you could cut that tail, <laughs> you could cut the linex out of those beds, and hang that in the Lucky Duck warehouse as a sign of how good the calls work. <laughs> Well, that's where those Lucky Duck Predator seats come into play, man. You just lay them out on the mm-hmm. tailgate, man. You got a nice, clean sandwich-making oh, yeah. area. More ham and cheese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you start going through those archives, you're gonna you're gonna hear some all that squirrely stuff that Rick always says and does. Uh huh. There's got oh, yeah. there's some there's some good stuff in there for sure. There's gonna be a hundred clips of just Rick saying something about <laughs> Max being a you little pecker head. <laughs> uh that that was always oh that's always one of the funnest dynamics was rick and max because max barda is one of the most bubbly uh happy-go-lucky human beings out there and you know rick is fun too but he's also got the old curmudgeon vibe and max Max could burn 2000 calories a day just sitting there how he's just always moving doing you know a little ADD so to speak. Oh yeah. And oh those two. They they did make the days more fun cuz I get a little serious. I get real serious about production and and making a good product. Sometimes so much that I'm sure there's a lot of days Max wanted to drop kick me. But <laughs> you know it, it was just kind of the dynamic of the whole thing and it was it was fun god those were those were great trips so uh, footage wise you know you're dumping all this stuff onto cards like mm-hmm. at the end of a day like 
how many hours of footage would we have? You know, normally our hunts were like three day hunts, you know, going yeah. somewhere and filming. So like at the end of a three day hunt, like how many hours of footage would you guys have to scrub through to make like a, you know, a couple 15, 20 minute episodes? Yeah. If you counted like both cameras and then sometimes we'd have a third camera that like we try, if we had a huge group, we'd set up one on a tripod for recording audio, especially year one. Yeah. We're doing that quite a bit. Um, you know, we, uh, I think it was, we would end up with, you know, it was like seven hours a day of footage between the two cameras. So like we'd have 20 hours out of a three day trip to scrub through. And, yeah. and that's yeah, a, that's a massive challenge in itself. Oh, it's I mean, a lot. To, to go through that, to try to say, okay, how can we lay this out in a format that it tells a little bit of a story? It talks about yeah. how the hunt unfolded, but yet it doesn't mm -hmm. get boring. We include some of this and that. and Yeah. Yeah. You get real good about, and you know, that was something that you and I were really, you were phenomenal about was when we would do our end of the trip interviews, you were so damn good at remembering every little stand because I mean, someone had to be like, yeah. And, well, yeah. And, and you make 50 stands in three days. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, so you we, we would a lot of times how we would kind of digest that is we would we would sort we would go through the interviews actually first and pick out what you would talk about right pick out you know fourth stand of the morning da, 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 and then okay go back to the footage we got to stand for eventually we got to kind of a little bit more automated process uh that really won't talk won't tell people how to do because it's kind of like a not a trade secret but we got to yeah. a point to where we found some identifying things that really helped us cut down our editing time uh in the footage like things we could look for in the footage that really made it easier for us to digest and edit but you know the hard part about it was always like uh trying to do a fast turn while, you know, we, we were trying to get them out the same year while filming a waterfowl hunting show, while while filming the coyote hunting stuff and still maintain creativity and 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 put out like creative content that's not just blah, you know, not cut yeah, corners yeah. on editing. But, yeah, and that's yeah. something to take note of, too, is is, you know in in the hunting show world this was not the norm i mean if you grew up you know if you spent time watching like the outdoor channel sportsman's channel you know maybe a little bit before the the youtube days and even into the youtube days i guess you know the stuff you were watching a lot of times you know they would film a an elk hunt or a duck hunt in october november december but you wouldn't see it come out on the outdoor channel till maybe the summer or even the next fall correct yeah, yeah. I mean, the norm, definitely the norm is film it in the fall and winter, right? So September through Jan, and then start releasing that stuff either Q2 or Q3 of the year, following year. So June through, you know, October. Yeah, and that's something we've always done it a little bit different. We're like, you know what, we don't want to sit on footage, you know, so, you know, you know, the hunts we filmed in October would be released in November. The hunts we filmed in November would be released in December. Yeah. So you talk about that quick turnaround, 
you know, not only are you doing this, you're trying to, you know, we'd finish a hunt and maybe within a week, 10 days, two weeks tops, you'd be like, okay, this first episode has got to be out, you know, yeah. as we, so yeah, that, I, and I like that. I like that real time kind of stuff. Like, you know, this just kind of happened last month. It wasn't happened last mm -hmm. hunting season. I, I've always liked the aspect of how it's great as a it. hunter. It's a great as a hunter to consume it that way. But when you're the editor and you're a hunter, it <laughs> yeah. sucks because you're like, I want to be out hunting, but I'm yeah. sitting here. But yeah, no, it's it's it is a fun way, cool way to do the show. You just got to find a non hunting editor <laughs> that still <laughs> yeah. understands how to hunt, edit hunts. <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah, it's a cool process, man. I you know it, I've always I've always enjoyed the challenge of of doing the filming. I think a lot of people think that I have like cameras with me all the time. Like I get a lot of comments like, did you film that hunt? No, didn't, didn't film that hunt. You know, we only mm. plan these like five, really five filming trips a season, Yeah, you know, and you know, we try to go on like a three day hunt, you know, in the past we've even done some shorter ones, but you know, we've kind of, I think the magic number is three days. And, and, you know, I think as we move forward with the last stand, I, I really would like to show, you know, if we go on a three day hunt somewhere, we basically make three episodes out of that hunt, you know, day one, day two, and day three, you get to see a, mm. a sun up to sundown hunt, whether we kill one coyote or 10, you know, you're going to see the ups and downs, you know, you're going to get to see us talk about the strategy and, and how we're doing it to me. Yep. I think that's like, like, that's, you know, and then maybe we can it's get real, maybe 15 man. episodes out of a season and, and, yep. and go to some new spots and things like that. Yep. And, and, and it's honest and it's real, you know, uh, to tease a little bit some of the some of the ideas and things uh, we've kind of got coming for Predator. Uh, you know, one thing that we've we've been discussing this year uh, is to do an unedited hunt, right? And to do and you and I have talked about this for years, and uh, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do we're going to do a hunt where people really see the the full thing and I don't release exact exact details on that but it's uh you know I I think there's like a desire to really understand the volume not just I don't mean the call volume but that too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah, desire a lot of people want that. to know that <laughs> uh you know there's a just to understand the volume of the hunt, the number of coyotes, the, the timing of the coyotes, the timing of the stands. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there's something cool to make there. And I've got, I've got a lot more ideas beyond that, that, uh, we're going to execute this well, fall yeah. and winter that I think will be the next step in making cool coyote content. Right. I think the last stand was a huge step for us. And then now, I think uh, we can go like even another step farther and making really cool, engaging shit. Well, yeah, you know, there's always a fine line in that when we're talking about, you know, do you just want kill shots? You know, there there is a lot right. of content out there that's just what I would consider kill shots. You know, then then there's the instruction side of things. Well, it seems like you have these two viewership bases you know so there's there's guys out totally. there that just want to watch kill shots and mm -hmm. then there's there's the viewership that wants to learn they if they're spending time watching this they're wanting to get some some intellectual value out of it yes um so how do you find that fine line right that's always been mm -hmm. the, the struggle we've had you know you don't dry stands are part of the deal but 
who wants to sit there and watch 15 dry stands in a day? You know what I'm saying? Right. So you, you right. kind of kind of cut through it, but you learn how to talk about, okay, Hey, yeah, the last five stands, we didn't see a damn thing, you know, yeah. but we're moving, we're covering ground. We're trying to find new coyotes. We're, you know, adapting to what we're doing and into the time of day and whatnot. And so, yeah, the real time stuff, I think, I think more guys like that than just the, the kill reels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's room for both. Right. And I think that'll be reflected in future lucky dot content is, is that you'll see, uh, you'll see the educational, you'll see the informative, you'll see the kind of the unanswered questions, but then also, you know, get your rocks get off on you, the yeah, killing too. Running yeah. coyotes get rolled up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i i gotta say i was talking you up to old mike glover over at fieldcraft survival oh, the other day i'm like you, you see this guy shooting around a fucking cow <laughs> i think the first time we were in the sand hills and uh you know the, the people don't understand when you're hunting that sand, it's these massive ranches right so you're just off-roading it you know from stand to stand covering so you're not on a road you're not on anything you're just driving off country you know, in Nebraska, you can shoot out of a vehicle as long as it's not moving, as long as it's not on a public roadway. So, you know, we call them road dogs, right? You, you, you uh-huh. just bump these coyotes. And I still remember, I think we we're filming with my boy. One of my boys was with us yeah. and and we bumped this uh-huh. coyote and I don't know, it was a poke out there running. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember, that might have been the first running coyote out the truck window you guys ever saw. Oh, dude, <laughs> just rattling them off, too. And the boys are all pumped. And we're, we're, you know, there's hot brass flying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That is a good memory too, was filming Colton's first hunt. Um, Yeah. That, that, that probably out of all the, you know, the, the Arizona hunt itself was probably my favorite hunt but probably the the all-time best stand we ever filmed just from just from i mean everything about that stand when he killed that that solo double Mm -hmm. i mean just straight solo double (laughs) by you know five-year-old kid out there with this damn you know and he was you know and and i had taken him out shooting a lot that you know the month prior so he had he had got a lot of trigger time in so he was dialed in I mean, I don't think he, I don't even think he missed a coyote those whole two days. I think he killed five or six coyotes. Um, but then that yeah. solo double at the very end of the hunt, you know. <laughs> oh, dude. It, it was, I mean, he shoots a trotter in the head. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, the first coyote was, both like, of them were trotting. The right. first coyote would not stop and he, you know, 80, 90 yards and he hits it right in the heart. The thing kind of spins. There was a second coyote coming. I switched to some pup distress. He actually didn't miss the coyote. You know, the coyote stopped Misses, about and then it, and then it kind of out. It has no clue what's going on still. So it's coming to the call. We get him reloaded and he smokes the coyote right in the head, trotting up to the call. Oh my God. <laughs> it was something else. I, you know, I think that how that, I think that how that coyote, uh, the only thing I can think of, was like just how that stand sets up and how the sound on that stand is a little weird. That coyote just couldn't tell where that sound was coming from. Right. Yep. And, but it just knew one thing. It knew where that call was blaring loud (laughs) and where that fight sound was. And uh, I just still can't, I mean, I was, I can vividly remember 
that I'm smiling after the, like when the coyote comes back right after the miss and that thing circles wide and then starts coming back to call, I'm smiling. I'm like, I can't believe this, you know? <laughs> and then he tops it off with a headshot out of a red dot. Yeah. Bolt 223. <laughs> and, and then he stands up and nonchalantly says, I got my first double. <laughs> yeah. Coyote hunting for two days, kid. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, one, uh, there was a kill on that trip that never made that episode because uh, just, you know, bad footage, ugly footage, but he dumps one on a horizon at well, like 224 yeah. yards. Yeah. It was, it was like poke, that. Yeah. Mangy with a red dot. Week. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable yeah the was... the part that ferments best and ages best like fine cheese on that for me is that then the next two years he goes through like a shooting slump it's like <laughs> he like oh no it's it's actually burned all his good he, luck. he has not killed the he has not killed the coyote since <laughs> but to, to his defense like you know, I, we, like I said, we spent a lot of time at the range there for a month. Cause I'm like, we're filming. I got to make sure he's ready to go. You know, <laughs> I don't think he's been to the range, but maybe one time shooting since then. So it's just like randomly, <laughs> okay, he'll jump in the truck and we'll go out coyote hunting and he hasn't shot a gun in a month, you know? Um, yeah. He, he's learning excuses about how the coyotes ducked his bullets and uh-huh, you know, there's uh-huh. all kinds of good ones now, but yeah, he saw on YouTube, someone say <laughs> jump the string and he's yeah. like, yeah, they're jumping the bullet dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heck funny. yeah well no i think there's going to be some great things you know i'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, are followers of the last stand you know we're continually trying to push the envelope but you know we already have some some trips planned i think i think the biggest thing too i like to do is you know introduce you know new coyote hunters to people new areas to people i think that's to me that's mm-hmm. an important part of it you know um, I hunt with lots and lots of different guys. To me, that's what makes hunting in fun in general fun, just spending time with with other people and sharing these experiences with people. Um, so yeah, I, I think people looking forward to the last stand season six coming up. You're gonna see some new people, you're gonna see some new places. Um, you know, and 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 I like hunting new spots because I feel like mm-hmm. as a as a coyote hunter, I can express you know, me hunting the sit, you know, filming at a place that I've hunted for 20 years. I'm just, I'm just going through the habit, right? Like I know exactly where we're yep. going to go. I know what we're going to do. So it's kind of a no brainer for me. But when, when I go to a new spot and I got to think a little bit more and, and figure stuff out, then I, I think, you know, that comes across in the footage as well. Um, and I think people get a little bit more out of it, you know, okay, how, you know, this guy's never seen this, this place or this area. He's using the Intel he has from his friend that they're hunting with, you know, how are they attacking this? Yep. What are they doing? I think that's cool stuff to add into the mix. Yeah. And I, I will say there's like, there's another point there where like, there's also been several episodes and several stands where something we planned didn't work out and you go wing it with Onyx. Right. And yep. I mean, we had, we made a heck of a hunt for ourselves in Arizona off of just Onyx. Um, yeah, plan A goes to plan. shit, and then here we go. Mm-hmm. We got to go plan B. Yep. Yeah, which was always something that's, like, fun. I like I like those types of trips for me, both on the waterfowl side and the coyote side, of, like, when you can all of a sudden start just 
diving into satellite imagery and you build a pattern of what you look for. Um, you know, I really have that dialed for me on waterfowl. You do on predator of like kind of those things you look for on Onyx that, I mean, it's kind of crazy how much it translates to success. Oh, hundred percent. You know, the, the self-filming thing is huge. This in this day and age, before we get off here, I want to touch on this because I'm sure some people, I get a lot of, a lot of hits on, you know, Hey, what do you guys use to film with? I want to try to start filming my own hunts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you actually, you know, you know, the, the filming world way better than I do right now. Yeah. What would be, I mean, is it, are, are we getting to the point where guys, honestly, if they're just worried about putting some stuff on YouTube and maybe their social media that really you can probably film everything with your phone at, at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much you can do with a phone, right? Like for starters, just to like get yourself, you know, dip your toes in the water on understanding framing and understanding focus and understanding editing, right? Like get a tripod for your phone and set that sucker up over your shoulder and, you know, lock focus, right? You can lock focus on an iPhone for like past you and like lock focus for where the call is, put that sucker on a little tripod and, and start there, start, start with just understanding how to cut clips, how to, you know, um, you know, how to even move files on your computer, (laughs) you know, start places like that. And then, and then you can move into, okay, well, maybe someone sells a nice microphone that plugs into an iPhone, right. And then get there and start making better quality audio. So you can talk to the camera as you self film. And then, you know, maybe you get to setting a GoPro in front of the call if you're going to be trying to shotgun them or stuff like that. And then, you know, and then eventually you can get into, you know, getting a DSLR and a lens. And I mean, there's or honestly, like there's a can there's a Canon camera called uh, I think it's the X40 or XA40. Yeah. Canon XA40 that like. I mean, that thing, you know, you can find one of those for 1400 bucks and they shoot great, great video. You can zoom a long way and you can have professional audio. And like, I mean, you can get into the self-filming stuff pretty cheap. But but first, before you go dump a bunch of money into a camera like I did at a young age, uh, you know, start with just figuring out how to edit, figuring out how to chop footage and and manage audio and you know that's to me you know this i'm the biggest stickler in the world on it but i think more people suck at audio than any other thing no one cares about it but great audio makes you know makes the video you've you've made me a stickler man even with our with our (laughs) new group that we have that we've been filming Mm -hmm. the last couple years yeah i mean yeah audio is huge because without it you don't yeah, you you right. don't have anything to use. There's no context. It, it, right? it is part of it. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Yep. And and you know something that we would do all the time. Uh, here's a hot tip for people that are starting filming. We would record while there was nothing going on. We would just record some video and audio just to have either you saying something, maybe you're talking to somebody or just to have the audio of the call going so that later 
we have to make a scene cut or change angles or cut back and forth between cameras or cut some weird little bit out where the microphones peaked and did something weird. We can just grab that sound bite from that area, from that stand of lucky pecker or sick kicking ass or whatever it is, whatever the sound is, and then just put it in there to make the sound seem nice and seamless. Yeah. Because, because you know, what would be real weird when you're watching a movie of, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio on the Titanic, you'd be like real (laughs) weird if all of a sudden you just hear like, you know, Mike peeking out, you'd be like, what in the heck is that? It takes you out of the experience. So having good audio is a huge part of, of that consuming experience of, of good content. Well, then if you don't want anybody to know what your secret sound is that you're playing, see, you know, then you can cut that in, right? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I get yeah. a kick out of that. And so many people uh, think like, is that really what you're playing? I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we were playing. Like, oh yeah. I tell people think, this all the time. Like, <laughs> but I think, I think people think we have like these, like Rick records us these secret sounds that only we have. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just put this generic TNT or lucky. Oh, no, dude, like, 60, using. 60, 70% of the kids that have died when I was filming the last stand died to lucky pecker TNT and Sig kicking ass. <laughs> yeah. It's, like it's, it's same to this day. Like I, I don't yeah. know. I, uh, yeah. Great sound. Rick's going to be mad at us though. Cause I need to say, Oh, you need to go buy the damn every, you need to have 7,000 sounds on your call. Well, so you and there options. were days there were days where all of a sudden you'd get that weird coyote sitting on its butt down there in the Creek bottom. And then Rick cycles through 20 sounds and finally finds one that clicks. Right. But, and, and those were fun stands too. I I did always like those stands where you'd get a lazy coyote sitting on his butt, doesn't want to come to anything. And then all of a sudden, whatever reason there becomes a sound (laughs) that trips his trigger. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's part of the game, man. That, Not every that coyote does is remind, the same. No, that does remind me of one other cool stand. Uh, when we saw that pup coyote, bird dog, and sharp tail grouse, like a German short hair out there. Oh yeah, you remember that? Yep. That was yeah, early. That's... That was like an early October hunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that was just a young coyote. He didn't. He didn't know what he wanted to do. He didn't want to come running over to the call. Well, I don't even think he was old enough to know the call was supposed to be food. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he was like, I don't know. I I don't know what that sound is, but I smell these sharp tails right in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Heck yeah. You know, from the editing side too, you know, I don't think, you know, for me personally, I went and bought like this $30 editing program on my phone. Uh huh. Like power director or something crappy like that. I mean, but it's super easy mm-hmm. for me to use, and it's a little bit better than the editing program that comes built into the phones. Um, yeah. I mean, for just doing like stupid little reels on Instagram, or you know, I've even a few of just the generic little YouTube videos I put out on my channel as far as my AR-15 setup or you know my truck setup or whatever it may be. Yeah. I just use that. I mean, it's nothing fancy, but for me, it gets the job done, and I and I don't know shit about editing and I could figure it out pretty easy. Um, yep. so yeah, I mean, it's not like you got to go dump, uh, into what's, what's the big one you guys all use Adobe premier pro premier pro, yep. you know? Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, great if you can get good at that, but I mean, that's not a necessity. No, no. I mean, yeah, you can start with whatever comes on your laptop. If you've got a Mac, I think it's, uh, you know, final cut and then, 
Final Cut Pro is a one-time purchase of like 300 bucks. That's Final Cut Pro is a great program. Uh, that Power Director actually, like uh, I've heard of it before. I think it does fine. Um, you know, if if you're trying to do it professionally, yeah, you're gonna have to learn a a bigger program. But yeah, yeah. as far as just making home videos, you know, you don't need uh, to home learn videos, it. man. Mm -hmm. The internet's mm -hmm. full of them. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so before we go, you've already kind of touched a little bit on on the marketing side. You know, kind of what what we're looking forward to, maybe. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know how much we can we can talk about what's what's coming on down the chute you know anything yeah. else marketing wise from from lucky duck and the predator world that people can maybe look out for here in the in the future yeah um just expect like more right and not just more last stand uh like more cool stuff more unique one-off videos that are are made are made for predator guys um you know even something right now that i'm really keen on and, and want to explore more uh is working with nonprofit conservation orgs on raccoon management i mean delta waterfowl has said raccoons are public enemy number one that there is no bigger threat to ground nesting birds than the raccoon yet and and here we have this awesome tool right oh yeah raccoon distress number two <laughs> <laughs> that that is phenomenal at getting raccoons killed even in daylight and uh you know that's that's something that i really want to meld those two worlds and that's going to be something that i push uh to do for lucky doc is is for us to come up with some cool uh, initiatives cool different things we can do community marketing wise content wise on on yeah. you know coy coyotes don't get me wrong Coyotes have always been kind of the, the let's say, predator enemy, right? Everyone likes to use it. coyotes as the example. And if you're in pronghorn country, by all means, right? Those things wreak hell on pronghorn, on pronghorn fawns. But, you know, there's other places in the country that right now are seeing a huge slide in turkey numbers and quail numbers and duck numbers. And it's, it's not because of coyotes. It's, it's because of other predators that we can call, you know, but it doesn't seem like that's been as much of a conversation piece as yeah, raccoons aren't as glamorous, coyotes. you know? Yeah. I don't know. They look like a little grizzly bear coming to that oh, call. Shit. There's nothing more fun, man. <laughs> it's I... so fun. <laughs> it's so cool. <clears throat> that's one of the, peak memories too from mm. the years of filming the last stand was that thing running over you and max's legs <laughs> well you know what's funny i don't know if i don't know if you watched that the the latest coon killing video from this season but in that same exact spot the same exact thing almost happened uh -huh. and yeah, I, had I did a, see that i had the rack i mean he didn't run i probably could have kicked him if i wanted to but he was out just a little bit further but yeah like exact same well i was down the tree row maybe 40 yards yep. but it was like exact same spot coyote raccoons come from the same way yeah it's like uh that it's called the coon kicking spot you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yep well heck yeah 
Well, I'm I'm just hoping to see I, anybody listen to this. I just want to see more predator content on Instagram, Lucky Ducks Instagram. That's all I want to see. Come on. Okay. You know. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Make it happen, I Sean. Think... Make it happen. Okay. I'll make that happen. <laughs> make that happen. <clears throat> it's uh we'll we'll push it as a saving the ducks initiative, right? Well, yeah, man. You, hey, we can get uh, you can blend the pro- predator and waterfowl worlds together in one right there. Totally. You and know? I think that's that's one of my huge goals right now is to really spread that word on like, you know, you have you have spots of the prairie pothole region that without trapping of raccoons, they see a 0.8 eggs per nest hatch rate. So not even one egg per nest is actually getting to hatch point. But with trapping, those nests will be 12 eggs per nest. Wow. So it's, it's like you really, I mean, we really do need to thin raccoons, especially in nesting areas, but, and a lucky duck revolt is a dang good way to do it. Heck, you don't even need the revolt. Get the, the riot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Know? Fair. Fair. <laughs> well, hopefully Rick's developing the little uh, raccoon stuffed dummy that'll mount onto the top of it. Uh-huh. You know, the raccoon, uh-huh. boy, you know, <laughs> yeah. tricky Ricky. Tricky Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> hey, that might be. You might see that on the Lucky Duck website come uh, fall of 2023. You know, who knows? We'll work on it. <laughs> yep. Yep. <clears throat> well, buddy, it's been fun, man. What uh yeah. people want to people want to follow you and, and all your duck nerd stuff, you know? What yeah, uh want to see me talk about ducks and raccoons. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's uh what's the best way to find you? Sean Weaver DWC, it'd be S E A N. I spell it the right way as far as Sean goes. But yeah, that's Sean Weaver on Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. So nice. You doing them dances on TikTok too, like everybody oh, else? Yeah, shaking yeah. that booty. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe I, I'm just old school. I didn't know TikTok uh, for me. Come on. Rick, no, hey, Rick it, said he might get on TikTok. So who knows? Might have to join the, the trend if he gets on there. And, and uh lucky duck is on tiktok now and oh, really I, we've been the raccoon stuff is smoking on tiktok really yeah people love seeing those raccoons come like two hundred and fifty thousand views on one of them i think oh wow yeah <laughs> bunch of sick people out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yep. well, sounds good man well i appreciate you taking the time out of your day to it's been fun reminiscing about uh the good old days getting the last stand up and going yeah now that you're back in the mix you have to you have to join us on a on a hunt oh. coming up just for old time's sake you know Abs- absolutely absolutely yeah <laughs> and, definitely definitely looking forward to what we're going to do next year everything coming out with lucky duck and and you know especially everything on the predator side so so excited excited for all that you bet you bet i want to thank you you bet, man. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. You know, if it isn't for you guys, this wouldn't be the number one predator hunting podcast out there. So really appreciate you guys listening. You know, those reviews go a long way. If you're on Spotify, five-star review goes a long way. If you're on iTunes, leaving a review. Hey, you know, we couldn't do this without all the sponsors. So, uh, you know, really appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate your feedback. And, and like I said, we couldn't do this without the sponsors. So got to thank Silencer Central, Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Swagger Bipods, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Onyx Hunt, Six Sour Optics, Hornady, and Cryptech. And then, of course, Eastman's for putting this all together for you guys. Couldn't do it without them. So if you're interested in what they all have going on, on all the big game stuff, 
Tag Hub, you name it. You can go to Eastmans.com to see what they have going on. But until next time, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you right here on the Eastmans Predator Pros Podcast.